Welcome to 353rd, a podcast about the impact of the internet on business. This is episode 34. Today is April the 12th, 2012. I am Scott Barstow. And I'm Anders Brownworth. Anders, it's, uh, we had a bit of a, uh, a, we stubbed our toe this week. We did. Did we? We, we did. did. Think we we did. did. So we, uh, as the, those of you that regularly listen to the show know, we were we had teed up a a, a show about education, which apparently will never reach air. <laughs> we're never going <laughs> to talk about education. Well, I think we talk about it a lot. We just can't seem to. Uh, the thing that it reminds me of is uh, my dad used to say that uh, it's like uh, you know when you have something big to do, it's like eating an elephant. Or how do you eat how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? Yeah. And I felt like uh, our attempt this week, I feel like we tried to swallow the elephant whole. Yeah, that was the only problem. We, we really, we, it was too big of a topic for yep. one show and uh, it, it was too unwieldy. We were going to do a second show. So we're, we're just going to, you know, we're going we're gonna to take a, another hack at it, yep. um, but, but under a much more defined uh, circumstance. So uh, hang on for that one. That'll be, yep. uh, that'll be next. Luckily, we are, we're good at just sort of coming up with random ideas, and uh, <laughs> aren't we? So, ever? <laughs> yeah, I think that's really all we do. Yeah. And uh, so today we are going to talk about technologies that have revolutionized our lives personally. So this is a, this is a topic that I've had this unbelievable blog post teed up for at least you know eight years, and right. I've just never written it. Yeah, I think it's probably a series of blog posts. And, you know, I think going back to, um, you know, going back, putting us in the Wayback Machine, we've talked about uh, the Walkman several times on this show and just how, you know, when we were both young, getting a Walkman, something you could carry music around with you was, was, so for me, that was kind of, that's the first thing I remember um, in in my life, that uh, was something I was like, "Wow!" Sort of like a technological leap that adds something. In this case, it was personal audio, just yeah. for you. Yep, just that for you, and just new. listened to by you, right. your tastes. You know, all of that. You no longer had the stereo, and it, it was just fantastic. Yeah. Um, and then I think uh, the obvious big one in our lifetime is the internet, and we don't need to belabor that. Yeah. Um, so let's talk about. I know the first one on your list was yeah. uh, the consumer digital camera. This is a big deal. So, so for, for years, I had seen CCDs driving down in prices. Pro cameras still, oh, roughly around the $4,000 level. Uh, eBay didn't exist. Uh, just waiting for something to, to give, something to catch, so that we could have consumer digital cameras. Because I was actually taking pictures with a old school camera that I gotten from my dad, the SLR camera. And I would shoot the pictures, I would get them printed, and then I would scan them. We had scanners. So, yeah, I mean, it was absolutely. there. It was like yeah, close. It was right there. Yeah. But, but so finally, uh, consumer digital cameras came out, and I bought this, you know, which will be emblematic of this entire discussion today. Really pretty terrible technology, but it, it worked. It was the first uh, digital com- camera I ever had. It came with a 16 megabyte, not gigabyte card. And it was a, uh, I think it was $750 for the thing. And I took it, it was one of my trips to Haiti. I took it down to Haiti, uh, figuring that if, if I could use this camera across, the trip, uh, across that trip, it would have then paid for itself, given the number of photos I was planning on taking. And I mean, you know, 
in order to get in order to do an overnight trip out somewhere and not lug a laptop with me, I had to use the uh, I think the card I had uh, the biggest card I could get was like uh, you know 128 megs or something like that. I had to switch down to 640 by 480, but it 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 worked, and those pictures look just as good now as they did back then. Yeah. So one of the things that I think is interesting about you and for people that don't know Anders personally, one of the things that if you uh, if you get to know him, one of the things that's consistent and I mean this completely as a compliment is that you are willing to spend more money on something that's brand new and and sort of. Uh, figure out if it will work. So you are you are definitely a guy that will, you know, if if something is going to be a thousand dollars three years from now, you're willing to spend two now because you want it now. Yeah, yeah that yeah. that could be that's a curse, really. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It really is. I I'm somewhere behind what you do, but in front of almost everybody else I know. Yeah. Um, and so I, I know that, you know, I remember, and we'll jump ahead. I don't want to jump ahead too much. So this is a great topic and I can go all, we could go all over the place. So, so the, the digital camera was obviously a huge, and I remember the first one I got, uh, it was not great at all. Yeah. And, and I thought, oh, you know, but, (laughs) but the thing is, is that it just got better and better and better. And just like everything else on the list, but it's just. Um, and now you wouldn't dream of taking pictures with anything but that. Yeah. Um, and the best camera, you know, I bought, you have a great SLR digital camera. I know I've got a great one in there and the really good ones are still expensive, but you just do amazing things with them. Oh my word. It's just leaps and bounds, uh, making movies, actually really TV shows and movies with essentially prosumer level SLR cameras. Yep. You know, it's incredible. I mean, yeah, I, I know a guy that uh, shoots video for a living, and he carries around an SLR camera. Yeah, it's, it's just, and he shoots the most amazing video. It's 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 a uh, using really good lenses, and and yeah. I mean, you know, there there are directions we have to go. Obviously, uh, real time focus is something that's that's really missing right now from SLR video. But there's if you just compare it to 10 years ago, I mean, when did I get the, uh, the camera? I guess it would have been around 1998, which was probably a year into, uh, consumer level cameras being available. And this was the first one kind of all in under a thousand dollars. Right. It was ridiculous. And it's a piece of junk, you know, but I had a couple of requirements had to be double a batteries because I was going to a a developing country and, you know, you kind of want to, you kind of want something that's going to work long term. But I got to move on to, to uh, GPS. Yeah. For me, yeah, for me, this, this one, and we were talking about this earlier today, this for me personally is absolutely revolutionary. And I was, I was telling you the story a couple of weeks ago. I was driving somewhere to a tennis tournament in yeah. you know, some godforsaken part of North Carolina. And I remember starting out the door and climbing in my car and having no idea where I was going. And <laughs> about five minutes into the trip, pulling up my phone, figuring out how to get there and going. And yeah. 10 years ago... You know, oh, I guess it's longer than that. I mean, the the Garmin device came out in '95. Yeah, but I remember. But it really hasn't been. I think the I think the um, smartphone has really made GPS and every man 
kind of technology. So talk about, I know you've got an it's anecdote been, about, uh, about yeah. GPS. It's been, it's been revolutionizing itself from back then and even to now with phones. I think that's the key. Uh, yep, GPS absolutely. in, you know, the, the GPS system uh, became operational in 94. Long about 1995 or so, I got a GPS uh, pilot uh, for flying helicopters. Uh, or maybe it was 96 or something, right around there. But here's an interesting aside. I always go off on these uh, tangents, and, and Scott tries in vain to pull me back and never works. <laughs> but um, so I was, I, I was at the place where I was learning to fly helicopters. So this is right around, uh, you know, right nearby. I had just shown my flight instructor how uh, I was flying a model helicopter as well, as learning to fly models as well as uh, the real helicopter at the same time. Uh, it helped. It kind of reinforced the, uh, the things I learned. But I was putting the uh, helicopter away. My instructor had gone back to the hangar. He had another student, whatever. This guy rolls up in a truck, slows down, obviously looking at the helicopter, and just kind of hangs out the window and says, hey, that's cool, you know. So I tell him, I'm, I'm tired. i got to go home. But I tell him a little bit about it. And I go and, um, you know, he, he says, hey, uh, you know, I say, Are you, do, you, do you fly helicopters? He's like, yeah, I've got a helicopter in the hangar over there. I'm really you have a helicopter? So I'm like, okay, yeah, let's go see it. You know, so I put my helicopter away. I go down to the hangar, open up. Sure enough, it's this Bell uh, Long Ranger, 206 Long Ranger. Big turbine, you know, helicopter, leather seats, active noise canceling headsets, all this stuff. I was blown away. The guy says, I'm going to New York. Uh, you know, do you want to fly along? I'm like, yeah. So I cancel <laughs> what little I mm, have. Let me think. Yeah, let me think for a Yes. <laughs> so I, we, you know, he pulls the thing out. We, we, you know, get the thing cranked up. He had given me the, uh, the, the POH, uh, the pilot operating handbook and told me to flip through the uh, emergency procedures section. That should have been a little warning sign right there. I sit down and I'm in the, you know, essentially the co-pilot seat. And, uh, he says, okay, now this helicopter is, is strange. You really got to, when you get the thing going, it likes to fly level, which means when you're hovering, it's kind of tilting back. But right. So when you land and you're flat on the ground, you're level again. So in order to pick up, you're going to be tilting back. And he kind of showed me about it. And, you know, okay, this is how it would go. And he picks the thing off of the trolley and then sets it down right next to uh, the trolley and says, okay, you try. So I'm like, what? You know, okay. So I grabbed the thing. Now, you have to understand, I learned to fly in these tiny little helicopters. They're very, uh, you, you make a tiny little movement and they instantly react. This is a big helicopter, probably three, four times as heavy at least from the helicopter that I was used to flying. And so I'm making these, you know, corrections. I'm not seeing any result. And so the thing is like flying around. Anyway, I finally, you know, get the thing into position. I get it flying and get it in the air. And I'm kind of like a baby flying this thing. And then, you know, we, we, we take off and we're going to New York and he points down and says, okay, you see that thing there? I'm like, yeah. He says, this is an Eventide um, GPS unit. It's a color moving map GPS. One of the first ones you could get in aviation. Huh, that's awesome. And so I was like, this is unbelievable. We ended up flying in right over uh, LaGuardia Tower. And if you know anything about the airspace, it takes, uh, you can get about a mile away from LaGuardia in uncontrolled airspace, not talking to anyone. Right. And then there's this helicopter route that you take right over LaGuardia, um, right over the, the, the bridges and down into the exclusion area. And, you know, we flew this thing 
following, like just watching what was happening on the GPS, it blew my mind. And one other thing I'll say about that trip is he said, so I said, oh, this is really cool. He said, yeah, Harrison Ford was flying yesterday. I showed it to him. Like what? <laughs> so Harrison Ford was sitting <laughs> in the you seat. You and Indiana Jones, man. I, I don't Indiana know, Jones. man. Who maybe? So there, I was sitting in the seat that Harrison Ford was using to check out this, because uh, Harrison uh, flies these helicopters too. So anyway, that's my aside. I'm gonna, you know, we'll we'll stop there and we'll <laughs> we'll move on to MPEG. Um, yeah. So MPEG car. Yeah, MPEG car. This is a device. This is one I didn't never. I never had. Yeah, this was when I was out in uh, Silicon Valley, when I lived in the San Francisco area. Uh, this, I, I believe it's uh, somewhere in the UK, this company came up with this thing called the MPEG, which is a car MP3 player. Which is an MP3 player was made to fit the DIN size of a car, and it was just an MP3 player. Not a CD player, nothing like that. Just had hard drives. And it was absolutely revolutionary. Of course, it was like 1600 bucks, really expensive. But the yeah. thing is so good... I would use it now in a car. Yeah, it, I remember. So I remember one of my first memories when when I started at Bandwidth.com is us blowing down the road in your Jetta yeah. <laughs> uh, with that thing sitting in the dash. Yeah. And I was like, what the heck is that thing? <laughs> yeah, it was just a little Linux machine. It, you yeah. could add extra drives and stuff and, you know, old school, but it it's rock solid and worked really well. And that was one of the things that that it, it's it sort of set that paradigm. Look, you don't need a disc spinning all the time. You can essentially play from RAM. Uh, you know, RAM was expensive, and you needed to fill it with a disc, but you didn't have to keep it going all at all times. Uh, that was that was fundamental. It was a lot like uh, the iPod, um, but we're we're skipping over the TiVo. We're kind of going in uh, in uh, chronological order here. Yeah, um, well, at least we're trying to. We are. So TiVo. TiVo, TiVo, I think is, um, gosh, what a great product! Oh my word! What a great product that Fantastic, was! I mean, can still, what a failure, you know, the, the, you know. the original TiVo with the with the yeah, just I, I can still hear the uh, what's the noise it makes when you uh, when yeah. you do anything on the TiVo that yeah, absolutely, you know? yeah, exactly, yeah. And, but, and but it's, anytime you heard that, it was like TiVo. And TiVo was the first DVR fantastic product, just way ahead of its time. And I would say most would argue way too far ahead of its time. Way too far ahead of its time, but but how did they drop the ball there? I mean, really, I have no really, idea. They had they they had the market for the same reason that the Apple TV is is a hobby for Apple and not a uh, not an actual product. I would argue because. You know, if you've got all these cable companies that can just slap a hard drive in their set-top boxes that they're already delivering and put some crappy old interface on it, everybody and it seems is crap. Like, like, okay, I'll take it, you know. Yep. I, I've, I had the hardest time trying to get cable here without getting their disaster, uh, you know, the, it comes with like an 800-button remote control. Yep. And it, it's just awful. Everything about it. it, it yeah. The UI is so painful, it makes you want to you know, stab your eyes out. Yeah, the, so, only, the only remote that's worse than a cable remote is the Google TV remote. Oh, yeah. yeah that's oh, my word. The, the Sony Google TV remote. Actually, I take that back. Check it out. What about the open office mouse, the, the open mouse? Remember this? this I is don't an, remember that. So this is an open source <laughs> mouse that they made, okay? It has got, it's got to be at least 30 buttons on the top of the mouse for all kinds of stupid things that you can tie into OpenOffice and do. Like oh, that's hilarious. Open a new document, you know, turn this to bold. All these, <laughs> all that garbage from the Microsoft, you know, ribbon is now on this 
porcupine of a mouse is just <laughs> terrible. Anyway, we digress. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, TiVo, so TiVo, TiVo, obviously a game changer, revolutionary and now, and product. Here's no the question. Thing. TV, TiVo and MPEG, both Linux machines, both based on Linux, essentially yep. embedded Linux. Not yep. all these products will be embedded Linux, but pretty much, pretty close to all of them can and are now. Yep. If you look at it. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, the, I, yeah. the iPod, maybe not, but I mean, you know, pretty much everything else. Anyway, yep. so so uh, the next big thing was was Wi-Fi. I remember playing around with I think it was Proxim was the name of the company. They had a proprietary precursor to Wi-Fi. It wasn't the Wi-Fi standard, but it essentially did IP over the air. Right. And they were I forget how much we spent on the cards, but they were incredibly expensive, and there was no such thing as as a, an access point. It was just a point to point connection. So you yep. had to have some kind of other totally impractical, you know. Yeah. Well, I remember the, the thing computers. about Wi-Fi when it came out was everybody thought, oh, well, yeah, it's kind of like cell phones now with the whole brain tumor thing. You yeah. know, if you put a Wi-Fi uh, receiver in your house, well, it's got you know you've got these radio waves bouncing through your head yeah. the entire day and all of that sort of thing. I remember getting Wi-Fi very early um, when I moved to Raleigh. We had. We had uh, we moved into our house, and I was the first one for probably, gosh, I would say for a year and a half, two years to get high speed uh, like cables internet. Really? Yeah. yeah and really. with that, I remember buying a Wi-Fi receiver. Yeah. And you know, putting it in my house, and everybody would that came over would be like, "Wow, you can actually walk around and yeah." <laughs> you know, do things that when you're not tethered. And yeah. I was like, yeah, isn't that amazing? Yeah. But those two things go hand in hand for me was, because uh, they were about the same time for me, was Wi-Fi and then high-speed internet in my house. Yeah. High-speed internet in my house. When did you first get high-speed internet in your house? So I was definitely late. I would have been, okay. I would have been late, uh, late 90s probably. Yeah. You know, right. early, probably 2000-ish. Yeah. Um, Late nineties, yeah. Just yeah. because it was, I know that you, I'm sure you had, um, I'm sure you had stuff in your house that you know. I, the, yeah, the, I did. Yeah. I had a I had a high bandwidth connection. I had a T1 in in ninety five. Right. So that that and I've never had less than one hundred and twenty eight, you know, k since. I, yeah. You know, that's just the interim there where we had uh, ISDN for a while, and then it right. and finally, you know, the DSLs and cables actually got up to you know deployment yep. in the area now it's all fiber which yeah, is yeah it is if you live anywhere decent uh here we're still stuck with cable <laughs> yeah. sorry about that yeah indeed <laughs> no you can go you can go uh wireless you can go it don't it doesn't uh it's not tower stream uh uh clear 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 stream clear stream yeah or clear something clear clear, clear wire clear wire yeah i thought they had service there i, I, I don't know yeah, who knows anyway yeah. so uh why don't you launch into the ipod yeah so the ipod uh, this to me is the, it's like the Walkman, you know, 15 years later. Yeah. Uh, it's revolutionary and not because you could carry music around, but how much yeah. you could carry, because before it was a cassette tape and at the most it was a CD. Yeah. Um, and then this thing comes along and you're like, wow, I can put all of my music on one device. So, but, but that was possible before the iPod. We had this D-Link thing, which is a piece of junk. Yeah, that was a piece of crap, though. I'm talking about something that you would actually, like the Walkman, where you felt good about carrying felt, it around. Okay, yeah, okay. Well, that's definitely... Yeah. Where that's, you didn't feel like a dork for, you know, having... The other one was having, like, uh, uh, was it 
Arcos or, or like Creative Labs had something. Yes, Creative Labs. Yeah, they had some kind of a thing, but it just wasn't it wasn't quite there. And I mean, no. what's the big difference? I mean, it's really UI. Yeah. And and just packaging. Yeah. I mean, it really was. It was the I remember reading about the patent on the wheel. Yeah. Because that, that was a huge deal. Yeah, it was. Because yeah. they patented with the wheel navigation. Yeah. And, uh, and I remember, you know, the first time using that, I was like, wow, yeah. you know, who thought of that? Yeah. And before it was, you know, you had those horrid, Ugh, uh, like the creative labs thing, you had buttons to oh, navigate and you had up a folder, down a folder. Oh, so horrible. Oh, gosh, it was yeah. just, cool. so yeah. iPod, I think, um, and there was a lot of other, we've talked about this a number of times. There's a lot of other players in that space that should have won that battle. So mm-hmm. Sony. Sony should have had a player in that battle. Yeah, I don't know how they lost so badly there. They just they owned the marketplace for so long, and they then did. and then they just absolutely disappeared. It's sad to see what's happening to them now. I mean, they're kind of taking the medicine that they need to take in order to right yep. the ship, but it's it's you know oh, it's rough. Yeah. So the next one on our list, I think, is a really fun device. I, it's whether it's revolutionary or not. I think it's. Oh, I, it is. You know, I think it's one of the coolest yeah. things to come around, and that's the Slingbox. Yeah, agreed. Yeah, the Slingbox. I I got one. Uh, I got one actually as a, like a promo thing, and and uh, you know I'm like ah oh, you know maybe I'll use it. Wow, that was fundamental. Yeah, that you and I got it the, at the same time. We got it at that ah at that yeah conference. at Vaughn. Yeah, yeah that's what it that's was. Right. They were giving it away, and I was like, "Huh, that's kind of cool." That I took it home, and I was like, "Wow, we're totally." And here's the thing: I sat there, I connected that thing right up to my TiVo, and sat there saying, "How come TiVo didn't do this?" Right. Why, this would have been natural, right? Because all the it's all the same hardware. Yeah. Really, <laughs> you know, yeah. they could have done it. All they needed was a TiVo with a network port on it. And I don't know that those were that plentiful yet, but I mean. We all hacked our TiVos and put network cards and extra discs in them. I mean, it was just software, really. Yeah. What a yep. what a what a fantastic device, though. That was fan, you know, fantastic to be able to sling whatever your media essentially on demand to anywhere. Yeah. Uh, that, yeah, I that remember was great. not long after I got it, being in a hotel room and watching yeah. the TV at my house. Yeah. Then, crazy. then the then the uh, the just the most unbelievable sort of switchover happened right after the Slingbox. And that, I would argue, was the time where where you pretty much dropped Windows and ran as fast as you could to the Mac. It was around yep. 2005. Yep. And it was a culmination of the MacBook Pro and Intel, having the Intel chipset. I don't know if Intel yep. was 2005 or six or something. But I think it was 2006. Was it? Yeah. Okay. I think so. But the MacBook Pro... That has got to be on the list. Absolutely. I think for anybody, and it was really the, up until that time, everybody that had a PC, a personal computer had, um, you know, if you carried a notebook, you carried a Dell and you weren't happy about it. And it was kind of this clunky plastic uh, class, you know, thing that everybody had them in corporate America. And then you had kind of the, the oddball guy that would have some weird Linux notebook. Yeah. Um, but most everybody <laughs> carried a Dell or something like that. It's true. And uh, and then you know this thing shows up, and I remember the first time I started using it, the keyboard was amazing. Yeah. The just the you know, and it felt like a really nice piece of equipment, and it was yeah. really you know outside of the uh, outside of the i 
the iPod. It was really my first exposure. I think this is where Apple yeah. started to dominate. And this is where this was the big domino to fall. Yeah. Um, as you said, because, you know, up until then, they were kind of this, you know, graphic artists used Mac and nobody else did, or people that did music maybe used it. But it was kind of this very small community of users. Yeah. And what that allowed was not only could you run Mac OS, um, but you could also, you know, you could dual boot it and run Windows if you needed to. And then, uh, you know, right after that came parallels and these other companies mm-hmm. that allowed you to put run windows in a vm at the same and, time at the same time yeah. and so it 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 cut the cord if you still needed to run windows for whatever reason yeah you could yeah, you could yeah. um but it also gave you this really great operating system that was much more stable at the time and probably still is yeah and um although windows has come a long way uh but the uh but i just remember um, you know, you had every operating system. If you wanted it, you had every major operating system at your fingertips. Yeah. So, so, to, so, back in the day, was everybody clutching a Dell that nobody liked? Nowadays, it's everybody clutching a MacBook Pro or Air or whatever, and everybody loving it. I mean, yeah. And you can't get people to part. People part love with their it. machines. It's unbelievable. Yeah. I, do, I never saw that with the uh, with. Uh, the Dell. I, I, people it doesn't exist. It like doesn't, the passion machine. doesn't exist. Right. They would like it, but then it would like, you know, some piece of plastic would crack and then, then you know, they'd lose a day of work or whatever. On, yeah, on, you put a piece you know, of tape on it to hold it together or something. power supply, right. And then that way they would hate their machine. It would be out to get them. And yep. It would just be like they had to have their machine and that's why they had it. Uh, yep. it, was a, it all comes down to, to build quality and just the, it's, it's like, you know the the big thing for me is really Unix in uh, you know walking around with you. It's yep. it's like it's like Linux, but it looks great and it's uh, you know extremely useful in terms of the app ecosystem. Yeah, and so I think the thing huge. that they did was they made for guys that didn't want to just bash you know uh, knock around on the command line in Linux, but wanted that underlying OS. Yeah. Um, you essentially had it, but you yeah. had a beautiful interface and it was just, yeah. for me, it was a, it's absolutely been, I haven't bought, I've bought one machine that is not Apple since then. And the only reason I did it was because I had to. Because you had to. Yeah. I, you know, yeah. so we are talking right now on, uh, at least on my side on a, uh, new MacBook air and this yeah. thing is ridiculous. <laughs> yeah. It's, Those machines I mean, don't, it, yeah, it's just I, ridiculous. I gotta say this, this could jump us forward a little bit. I got to tell you, there are two things that they need to add to the MacBook Air. One, I don't think they'll add. And the other, I'm pretty sure is coming real soon. The thing I don't think they'll add, right now I've got four gigs of RAM. That's that's it. That's a totally stacked out machine. I want to yep. see that get to eight. Once that's to eight, I can run VMs. I need a lot of RAM. Yep. Eight gigs Agreed. is not eight a is, lot. Eight is the minimum. Eight is the absolute minimum. And uh, you know, for a competent dev environment plus a, a one VM. It's eight minimum. Yep. So, uh, and then forget it if you need to run two. I mean, it's you forget about it. So that would be ideal. But what what I'm pretty sure is come. I'm pretty sure that's not going to happen. What's going to come in this next MacBook Air just has to come is LTE or yeah, some agreed. sort of an always on internet connection. Um, yep. That's got to happen. I, I think mean, it's it it'll happen. There's yeah. there's no way they don't. Yeah. There's just no way they don't. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I think the 
you know, I think the one interesting thing for those of you that listen to this show, if you want to, Anders was talking about uh, just the quality of design. I think a fantastic film to watch is Objectified. Absolutely. Um, and in that, in that, you can watch it on Netflix. Um, it's out there, but it's the it's one of the more compelling what, hour to hour and twenty minutes of documentary about just the science of design and the art of design. And in there. Um, Johnny Ive of Apple talks about how they machine um, the MacBook Pro yeah. notebook, and it's just fascinating. Yeah, it is. An, it is incredible. Yeah. And, and, and the, they make use of every bit of the. You know, he talks. He brings out this sheet of of aluminum that they use or whatever, and he says, "Here's how we cut, and then here's how we use the rest of it, and here's you know we use these scraps to make the keyboard, and yeah. it's it's just incredible." Yeah. It is amazing, and then the other thing about that is that you crack the machine open and take a look at the innards, it's to the same tolerances that you'll have on the outside. It is yes. a work of art. It's Inside amazing. Everything thing, is it's just incredible. Yeah, it's just so precise. The precision on it is ridiculous. Yeah. So I think the to round things out, I think the two most obvious things that we've left off the list right now are the iPhone and the iPad. Totally agreed. The iPhone. So. Do you remember what life was like before the iPhone? Do I do. you remember the Treo 650? Yeah. That I had was, a uh, – I don't remember. What was my BlackBerry? I had a – I had a – some god-awful BlackBerry machine. <laughs> yeah. And I and remember thinking, God, isn't it amazing that I can have, you know, everything yeah, I need walking now. around with me. Right. Yeah. And then, you know, you get the iPhone and you're like, wow. And then I think even more so than the iPhone is the App Store. Uh-huh. Agreed. Revolutionary. That's a that's revolutionary. Well, you know, what idiot thought we really wanted as stylists to be able to accurately hit the file open thing? What 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 lack of imagination was that to say it's got to mimic the desktop environment? Was that like an edict from on high at Microsoft that Windows CE or whatever it was had to have the same menus that you had in Microsoft Word because yeah. people were familiar with it? Yeah. I mean, that that just seems so short-sighted in 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 hindsight, but I mean at the time, I suppose it just was not clear at all. Yeah, um, well, I think the other thing about it is, and what's what's funny to me, and as we talked about this a few shows back, is that uh, there's people trying to still come out with phones that have a stylus um, <laughs> yeah. that you've got to carry around with you, and their selling point is that you, you have you know you get to use a stylus. Yeah. That's uh, good, stunning. Good luck with that. Yeah. I mean, you know, if you but, see a yeah. stylus, I mean, the iPhone, it. the first iPhone, I remember it just being crucified because yeah. it didn't, you know, it was this closed platform. It didn't have yeah. all sorts of things. It didn't have. Um, and then by the second release of the iPhone, it was game over. Yeah, really. So, so what's interesting about this is to look at Android before the iPhone and look at Android after the iPhone. It's clearly been a, not a revolution, but a... Uh, just an incremental getting better, getting better, getting better. Uh, you know, back in the day, the the first uh, Android phones, especially the G1 from Google, I think the G1 or I don't know. Anyway, they look like Treo devices, maybe right. not the G1. The, and and they was that same, you know, 60-40 split uh, screen and keyboard and hardware keyboard, the whole thing. And then as as time went on, you got these really interesting sort of middle phones, and the Nexus One, which incidentally is a fantastic phone, had this vestigial rollerball 
in at the bottom. Yeah, I remember it. Like, I mean, you know, it, they couldn't just cut it, right? And so now the four keys at the bottom of the screen on an Android device is now reduced to three in uh, the latest version of, of uh, Ice Cream Sandwich um, and phones that directly support that. How long until that becomes zero or one, you know? Yeah, very, I, not very long. I, I, yeah, I, I, but it could be one of those sticking points like, uh, you know, like the horrible mistake of Apple to stick to a single button on a mouse for way, way too long. It might be that same kind of thing, uh, with, with Google. Who knows? I mean, we'll see. Um, one, so then the iPad, you're right. That's, that's yet another revolutionary thing. It looks just evolutionary from the iPhone and, and the, uh, the iPod touch, but it really is revolutionary because it absolutely just blows away the low end of the laptop market. It just becomes, if you have an iPad or two sitting on the coffee table at your house, you don't need a computer sitting over in the corner. Nope. You do. You don't. What nope, do you need it you for? Do not. If you're yeah, what, what, home, yeah, you know? yeah, if you're just you can do mail, you can do all yeah. of the all of the apps that yeah. most you know, just typical household apps, you can do them all there. It's something you carry around, it's got you know, battery life that blows Forever. a laptop away. Sure. And yeah, uh, it's, although it's, not although not the battery life of the MacBook Air. <laughs> this thing has been unbelievable. Like I, we're on we're on battery right now and I'm at two hours and fifty minutes to go and I've I've been on it, you know, half the day. Yeah. Um, one other thing I'd love to throw in before we uh, wrap up, and this is a this is a forecast on something that that fits in this category, but certainly hasn't made it splash yet, and that's software defined radio, SDR. Yeah. Um, I got a device uh, a year a year a little over a year ago uh, from Edis Research. It's a N two ten software defined radio. It's essentially an FPGA, and then a uh, some radio hardware that can is very versatile can go I think the one I have goes from about 30 uh, megahertz all the way up to about 2.6 gigahertz and the software part of a software defined radio allows you to con- make it do whatever you want uh, decode certain kinds of things transmit in certain frequencies do all kinds of stuff that you would normally have used you know actual hardware to do so one of the things you're able to do with this thing is turn it into a BTS or a cell base station. So your cell phones can register to it. Uh, you can do data, you can send SMS, you can do voice calls and all this kind of thing, all via software. And the thing that I think is so revolutionary about this is it's just like back in the day when you stopped building machines the way Sony did, where the hardware was special purposed to do something and you concentrated instead on the software to do things to, to be the special purpose. Now this allows that same paradigm shift to happen in radio. So there are people doing unbelievable things. You have people listening to the uh, slow-scan television uh, broadcast from the International Space Station. You have people doing RFIDs. Some kid was uh, you know, reading uh, U.S. passports with RFIDs from some ridiculous distance, like a quarter uh-huh. mile. I mean, amazing, amazing stuff. I think that we're just seeing the very beginnings of this. And the chipsets are just going, getting much, much cheaper. I think uh, it was uh, $2,500 for the radio about a year ago. And, and there, I think I just got another one for about $1,200 that, that is sort of in the same area. 
Um, yeah, in terms I think of that that whole that whole market. We've talked about radio up. before. That whole market just feels like um, it's it's going to be the wild wild west it's again. It's poised. It is. It is. I can't wait. Yep. Can't wait. Love it. Well, I think that's uh, we've uh, we've gone from what circa nineteen ninety four ninety five all the way up to current day. That should be enough for thirty <laughs> minutes of, so. of jabber. Sounds so, good. So uh, um, thanks everybody for listening. Next and week is not. We're not. Uh, we're oh yeah, that's right. Try, we've got to talk about that. We're going to try to record next week. So I'm going to China. Um, we're going to see. I'm, I'll be in Beijing. We're going to see if we can hook this up and and make this work. But no promises for next week. Yeah, uh, if not, our uh, the show after you get back will be all about China. <laughs> Probably will. That'll push our education show yet one more week. <laughs> How can we do this? It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, a year from now, crazy. we'll be talking about the fact that we still haven't done that the show. education show. That's right. There'll be the elephant in the room. Indeed. All right. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for listening. Uh, please leave us comments on iTunes. Uh, it helps people find the show. And thanks, everybody, to, for listening and uh, spreading the word. We'll see you next time.